I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's popping, everybody? Happy Wednesday. And if you're not happy, I understand why, but please try to be happy. We're going to try and give you some reasons to be happy in a moment. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's going on, Will? What's good, my guy? How are you feeling now? What are we, maybe 36 hours or so since since the tweet that rocked the Celtics world? So uh, I was asleep when that tweet rocked the Celtics world. So I was uh, I woke up in a, a fairly good mood. I'm a very big morning person. Never mm. used to be. We're, we're very opposite in that way. I had to wake up at 6 a.m. today, and my day has felt very long, and I can't wait to nap immediately after this podcast. Yeah, I did. So my wife's on, um, she works shifts, and she's on like 7 a.m. starts. So I usually drive her and drop her off. I come back at like 7.10, 7.15, because obviously I have to get it there for 7. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm starting work at 7.20, and I'm just up. Do you know what I mean? I'm blasting out articles, or I'm listening to a podcast, or... So like morning time is, I'm good. So I wake up, there's been a game. I avoid social media. I watch the game. I'm like, hmm, Rob never came back out. Hmm, what's up with Rob? They're talking Rob's got hurt. Okay, it's probably nothing. Do you know what I mean? Finish the game, go on to social media. Oh no, the world's ending. You know what I mean? That that was kind yeah. of the, the way the day went. And then I'm like, oh man, obviously then it's the weight because you're like, well, we know it could be, it could just be a twisted knee. It could be a sprain. You've got to wait for the scans, then Shams, then Woj, then Adam is very much like, no, and it's just like, how were you, man? How did you, how did you take the news? Well, it was funny, man, because like, you know, obviously they announced it during the T-Wolves game, just that he had left the game with with something and wasn't coming back. And and I really didn't think much of it because the game was a blowout. And I just figured like, oh, maybe it was just a little, you know, little thing in the knee. No need to bring him back for a 25 point game. Like, because there wasn't really a play that you could single out like, oh, that's when it looked like, you know, whether it was a collision or whatever, you couldn't really single it out. And so I didn't really think much of it until like I kind of on Twitter, people were were, were way more worried than I was just from (laughs) watching the game. And I was like, oh, shoot, maybe I need to be more worried. And then I started I let that kind of sink into me. And then the next morning, as everyone was, you know, doing the same thing, you know, notifications back on like it's trade season, just yeah. like, you know, waiting for that, for that news. And then, you know, when it, when it hit, it's just such a, it was a gut punch, you know, the initial reaction, we'll talk about processing and digesting and, and what that feels like now, but just initial reaction was a gut punch for, you know, a guy who I, I heard this today coming into the season. I think he had only played 30 minutes or more in a game twice. He was averaging 30 plus minutes a game. And I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that that, that, that is why he got it. I'm saying that's a, a testament to how great his health was this season. And I mean, so, oh, sorry, carry on. No, no, just say for a guy like that who, you know, all the questions were never about talent. It was more about a little bit of like maturity, not not outside of basketball, but like in the in the basketball sense of, you know, not committing fouls and staying healthy. Those were about the only two questions and he was answering both of them night in and night out. So it was a real big gut punch in that sense. Yeah, you have to feel sorry for him, man. And I'm not, I think I tweeted this at some point. Like, you know, last season he goes down. I think there was like, what, 
17, 12 games, 17 games left of the season, something around there something last about year. That. I can't remember, but yeah. Goes down with a turf toe. Everyone's like, yo, it's a blow, but it's manageable. This year goes down with six games left, so a little bit shorter of a time span, but around about that same period of time, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, the season's over. And if that yeah. doesn't tell you how much, like, how his impact has, like, severely in- increased and how much the Celtics rely on that defensive presence, that rim running, just how much he's improved as an individual, then I don't know what will. Because, yeah. it's just, you know, two injuries in two years, both put him as a question mark coming into the playoffs. Last year, it's okay. This year, it's the end of the world. And yep. generally, generally, I'm just like, yo, Rob's that important, man. Yeah, it, it made me rethink his most improved player candidacy, to be honest. Because, yeah. like, to your point, like, I remember, like, like thinking of your tweet, it's like, Man, he's he, he's that important, but you know he's a he's a defensive player of the year potential candidate. I think he's just about a guarantee to be on the all defensive team, one of the one of the first two. And you know it, he's so impactful for what this team does, the way they want to play defensively. You can pick and choose between who's more important defensively, him and Marcus. And but I mean it's right there, and they're both going to be in those top ten defenders in the league. So. And it's just really hard to overestimate the blow that this is to the Celtics defense and, and more importantly to their ceiling. And that's really where I think you see the most impact because they're still going to have a good defense. Like we'll talk about Daniel Tice here in a minute, kind of backfilling some of that, some of those those minutes for Rob. This defense is still going to be good. It's just not going to have the ceiling that it has with a guy like Rob Williams because that's just way too hard to replace. There's not many guys in the league that can do what Rob Williams does. Yeah, so like if we want to put like a, an analogy on it, it's like owning a convertible, but the roof no longer comes down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's still functional, but it's just not as cool. It doesn't, exactly. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't get you to the same, the same reason that you have the convertible. Yeah, so you still, and, and it's that type of thing, right? You've still got the, the functionality still there. It's still going to get you from A to B. It's still going to be a high-level car because it's a convertible. I'm assuming mm-hmm. we're talking like a Porsche or whatever. Porsche, Porsche, however you want to pronounce it. Um, But no one's turning their head at a standard Porsche. Only when the roof's down are people stopping and taking real notice and considering, like, I wonder what they do for a job. And it's the same thing, right? Like, this defense is going to be completely functional, but nobody's going to be quaking in their boots Mm -hmm. without Rob Williams coming in from that weak side as a free safety. And I think that's where the difference is. And part of the, in my opinion, like, part of being a dominant team is having that fear factor teams looking at you on their schedule and being like, man, this is going to be rough. You know what I mean? We're going to get banged up by Marcus. We're going to get blocked left, right, and center by Rob. Tatum's going to drop 30 or more. Brown's going to be physical on his yeah. way. It's that fear factor. when you when, And it's that wow factor for the convertible. When you remove that factor, everything else just becomes so more easy to compartmentalize like yo okay we're gonna come in we're gonna get a little bit banged up but there's not really a block for it and we can we can make this work if we do it and i feel like that's where the biggest cap on the ceiling is gonna come is you're not coming into this with a mental advantage that you probably would have been yeah and and even look to last and i know last night you know 80 percent of the starting lineups out so there's there's other factors for it but you saw toronto just driving into the lane you know, you saw Pascal Siakam go for 40 points and, you know, besides anything you got from the free throw line, pretty much all of that was right inside the paint. You know, that that's immediately kind of like the Rob factor to me is there's just less of that fear that you're speaking of where you don't have to kind of look over your shoulder for that for the boogeyman that's coming out of nowhere to go ahead and swat your shot off the glass. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the how the Celtics and how Ime Adoka adapt 
Would you expect them? And Greg and I had this conversation uh, on our other show last night a little bit. Would you expect Ime to stick to the same defense, but potentially move Al into the Rob spot and Grant into the Al spot? Of course, this is talking mostly in reference to what will most likely be the new starting five. So uh, from a logic standpoint, that makes the most sense, right? Mm-hmm. From a physical standpoint, can Al sustain that? Can that's, he kind sustain- of, that's kind of where we landed, too. It's a lot to ask a, a guy lot. who's 35, and you know you felt good about I think he's averaging somewhere around 24, 25 minutes a game. I don't have it right in front of me right now. But it's not and just it, that explosiveness needed for it, that. It, for it's that how, much, how much you have to do yeah, within the, those the minutes. left and right. And you're going up in the minute total. So that's yeah. that. And then you need to keep him healthy because, you know, it's, it's funny. We, I was trying to think of who are the what's the ranking of the most impactful Celtics. I think obviously Jason Tatum's number one. And then it's it's funny. We, I think you can rank the next four guys in, in different ways. But nice. when you look for who's like, you know, who has to fill in for if you need more scoring, if you need more passing, if you need more rebounding, if you need more defense, whatever it may be. Al's basically the answer as like the secondary guy to almost every question that you would have to ask about this team for who steps up to fill a slot and it's Al. So therefore he might even be the second most, you know, impactful guy. And so when you're asking him to fulfill that Rob role at his age and, you know, with with his, you know, I don't want to say limitations. It's just, it's just facts. Father time comes with creeping and nobody escapes father time. And it's, it's just a lot to ask and it depends how long it's going to be for to once we get Rob's diagnosis, which, you know, I, it sounds like it would be a stretch to say he wouldn't be available for anything beyond, you know, beyond the middle of the second round or conference finals. And and that's a lot to get from Al between now and then. If and he can the, even come back. It's the risk of the, like, so in my head, I'm like, I get the idea and I understand the negatives, like the explosiveness, the additional movement, the additional minutes, but it's also the additional risk of injury to Al because for he's sure. exerting himself in a way that, you know, Al's very much a grounded player these days. He only, like, he still jumps, but you're not asking to to explode onto closeouts around yeah. the ring consistently. If Al gets injured, you, like, everything goes, like, downhill rapidly. So I, I, this is why I don't think it will happen. I saw someone the other day say similar things about would they play Tice in that role? And I'm like, Tice doesn't have the the lateral quickness or the explosiveness mm-hmm. either. Like, to be in that role, you need to be really athletic and really explosive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a role that I think is perfect for the for the the Rob Williams, the Giannis's, the the Bam Adebayo's, and yeah. I mean, this is a very elite group that we're talking about that that role is made for. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a role that's plug and play. There's very few guys that are not at the top of that that defensive caliber level, that athleticism level. You know, that are going to be able to fill this role and do so successfully. So, I I think it's really tough. I think you can still. You can still keep some of the structure to it, but I do think there's going to be times where you can't you can't do it all game like you have done with Rob. I think it's going to have to be a little bit more pick and choose. I think it's going to it's going to be interesting to see how Eme adjusts for me down the stretch here. I think another thing to remember is that you can put a legitimate forward into that role, you know, like a legitimate three or four, well, a legitimate four, like because if you think about it, Rob is only six eight. Yeah. You know, he, he plays taller, a lot taller than what he is. So if you if you can, like, I mean, Neesmith's only 6'5", but Neesmith would be a candidate for that role because of how explosive he is, because mm-hmm. of how physical he is. He's not got the same shot. Uh, he's not got the same shot blocking ability as what Rob does, but he has enough about him that he's going to get into you to contest shots, whether he's, like, 
dashing in from yeah. the three-point line or recovering. Now, maybe it's not Aaron Neesmith. Maybe people are like, man, that's a terrible idea. But my point being is you don't need to fill that free safety role with a big man. You just need to fill it with someone explosive that has length. So as you're saying this, in the kind of what jumped to my mind, and this can't happen because he's going to carry too much of the offensive load, but Jason Tatum in that role is actually kind of interesting with his with his length, I think his underrated athleticism. Uh, I think maybe him or Jalen is even kind of an interesting, you know, guy for that role. And I think, Jay, I, think I don't know, for some reason, now that you're, as you're we're talking through it, Tatum to me actually feels like somewhat of a, I don't want to say natural fit, but but more of a fit than some of the guys we're talking about. But he, he's going to carry the offense. So it's really hard to ask him to be able to fulfill that role along with being the alpha on offense. So it, it, it's a tough spot. I think it's going to be interesting to see where they go. But I, but I want to talk about Daniel Tice for a minute here. And, and I want to get back to Neesmith too. I know you had an interesting tweet about him earlier from, from the game last night. But with Daniel Tice, you know, Within all of this, you know, obviously I went through the stages of grief as all Celtics fans did when we found out the Rob Williams news. I'm still but, in the anxiety stage, which is the least spoken of stage, but it is a stage. There you go. I'm anxious. One of the things that I came to, you know, to quickly realize is, thank God Brad Stevens got Daniel Tice. If we still had Enos Freedom on this team and that's the option, I would be part of that group that's saying, hands up, season's over. Like there's, th- th- this is just not going to be sustainable moving forward, but having Daniel Tice as that third option in your front line to be able to step in is such a massive upgrade over somebody like Enos Freedom. And there's not many teams that are going to have somebody on their third line who can come in and keep the boat steady like Daniel Tice. Obviously there's a limit to what you can do with that, but if we catch a couple of breaks, if we get lucky enough with Rob's diagnosis, like, the season's not dead yet. Like, I still think that this team, like, nothing for me, and this is a good question for you, nothing for me really changes from a podcast that we did, you know, uh, last week where we did the the playoff rankings. I still think the Celtics, out of the four teams that we are most likely to play, not counting the Hawks and Hornets, and throw them in there too, all of them I still expect to win that first-round series, except maybe the Nets. That's the one that was, it was a wild card with Rob. I think it's a wild card, obviously, even more so without Rob. But I still would expect the Celtics to be in the second round if this is the team, has that changed for you given this news? No, no. Okay. No, I'm very, very, especially after watching how they played Toronto yesterday. Exactly. It, it vindicated my thoughts that I had once I had got past the stage of just being really, really sad. Now I think Toronto fans handled themselves appallingly after that victory. What was, that was very weird. I don't, I don't know if we want to get into it, but that was, that was no, very we won't get weird. into it, but like, you know, I know they were on multiple platforms trolling multiple people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that was, uh, it was classless. But like, you know, you do what you need to do. Like, I'm sure Celtics fans acting that way when it's certain victories and it just goes yeah. under the radar because we're part of that fan base. So, you know, we might be caught, we might be, uh, we might be kind of calling something out that every fan base is part of. It's just because it was more prevalent to us. But yeah, I'm not scared of pretty much anyone. I'm scared of Milwaukee. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, scared, I think this scared is the of big Brooklyn. one changes. Yeah, scared of Brooklyn. The rest of them, I'm okay with. Like, I think the team has a really good shot. I mean, I'm a big fan of like um, like I wrote about this today. So yesterday, by the time everyone's listening, like Daniel Tice is very self-aware as a player. Do you know what I mean? Like he knows who he is. He's not coming in and trying to replicate Rob Williams' minutes. Right. He's not coming like, yo, I need to be the shot blocker. I need to be the... He's coming in like, 
I'm going to give you Daniel Tice minutes. And I think when you know who you are as a player, and when you kind of lean into your own skills and traits, you're far more valuable than what your contract says or what your numbers say, because you never play outside of your skill set. You never, and what, you know, sometimes you have to take risks, but you leave that to your stars, right? You leave that to Jason Tatum, to Jalen Brown. Heck, even Marcus Smart, he went up for what, 28 and 10 or something. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, so I think that Daniel Toys is going to hold the fort down. And people forget, man, he was, he, he was the starting center on that bubble run to the conference finals. Yeah, Rob Rob barely played. I mean, I went back and looked at some of the stats. Rob didn't play in that first series against Joel Embiid in the Philadelphia 76ers. He played a little bit more in the in the Raptors series and a little bit in the in the Miami series in the in the conference finals, but Daniel Tice was the main big man, which makes that run looking back on it even more kind of confounding that we pretty much ran with, you know, a, with a Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and then hoped and prayed between Daniel Tice, a rookie Grant Williams, and a young Rob that wasn't ready, and Enos Cantor at the time. You know, we, we ran with that and hoped it worked, and it somehow got us to, you know, game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. But, yeah, I feel very confident, when, especially when you add Al Horford into that mix. Yeah. You add the development of Grant Williams. And, you know, and I think Jason Tatum can play a little bit of four, too. Like, that's obviously something you can do is just go with the extra long wings and maybe go with, some form of smart white, the Jays and, and Al Horford. Like that's a lineup that you can run out there if you need to. Like there's different variations that that E-Man is going to have to work with. So I'm still very confident in this team not being completely done. I, you know, I, I think obviously if there is any still type of finals appearance or winning the NBA finals, Rob has to come back in some capacity for that to be a reality. But other than that, I think I think there's still a chance for this team to hold the fort steady. But for there to be really the championship aspirations, Rob has to be a part of it. There's just no primary outlet now, right? Like, you know, half-court defense hunkers down. You're running pick and rolls at the top. You don't have that love threat to lean on to just kind of break the doors down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's where you're going to really feel like you're going you're gonna to feel Rob's um, absence on the defensive end for sure. But I think you can mitigate that to certain extents. You know what I mean? You can change your scheme up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can limit rim pressure a little bit more. On offense, Rob Williams is sometimes the guy that breaks those doors down. He's the big he huffs and he puffs and then he jumps out the sky and breaks that door down. If that's not there, I think there are gonna be times where we see stagnant offense. Might not I'm not saying it's gonna go back to what we saw last playoffs. I don't think I think the team have come far too far for that to be a concern at the moment. But there might be the occasional play where Rob Willie, a, a Rob Will pass would have been right there and it would have got you to book it. Whereas now you're, you've got four seconds left and someone's taking a contested midi. Yeah. I think that, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be often, but I think that's definitely going to be a byproduct of not having that love threat. Now, you do have Luke Corner, but. I'm not yeah. sold on him. I'm not sold I on him. I mean, he's not going to get any playoff run. No. Like, that's, that's, I, I, so I mean, it's, you know, Luke Cornett, like, he, He'll maybe get some run down the stretch here to save some legs, but I don't think he's really going to factor into the playoffs. Um, I will say the one difference with Daniel Tice that is a, a different wrinkle that we'll see how they work it in is he does give you a little bit more more jump shooting, you know, especially from that mid-range. I've always liked Daniel Tice's shot from the mid-range, especially more than the three-point line. But if you can get Daniel Tice to make a couple of those, you know, pick and pops from from that mid-range space, I do think that changes your dynamic and gives you just a, a, a different wrinkle. It's not going to be the same, obviously, as Rob. But, but, you know, to your point earlier, Tice is not going to try and be Rob, and nor should he be. And so I think that mid-range jump shot is going to be something that he has to lean on as, hey, 
this is me being Daniel Tice. This is going to be the area where I can help the team the most. And, you know, he's definitely not the same level of athleticism as, as Rob Williams and not many are, but, but Tice is athletic, is athletic enough in his own right. Like he can yeah. throw down a lob. He's, he's a pretty good cutter. I think he played, he's played well recently. I, I was a little worried the first couple of games after the trade, when he came as like, Oh, this doesn't feel like the old Daniel Tice that I remember, but I feel like over the last couple of weeks, he's kind of corrected that a little bit. And it feels a lot more like the Daniel Tice that I remember. Uh, and like you said, I love that he's self-aware him being, being self-aware, I think is in is major, majorly important not just in basketball, but in life. And so I love seeing that from Daniel Tice because he knows who he is on the court. And so I think when he gets his minutes, you're going to know what to expect. And once again, he's going to stabilize this. He's going to be very stable. And we are very lucky to have him as a third option to be able to to bump up and, and hope that, you know, we can steady the ship until maybe, maybe he may left the door open last night in the pregame. And we won't know until probably later this week or early next week what that is. But maybe there's a slim chance that that Rob makes an appearance sometime during the playoffs. That'd be amazing. I'd want it to be like a WWE entry or an AEW <laughs> entry. Just like down five, fourth quarter, six minutes left. Some music starts playing. Rob runs out of the locker room in his uniform. And then that's it. Rob checks into the game and off we go. Like it's never gonna happen that way, just because it doesn't. But. I got a question for you. So, if, if Rob comes out middle of the game, and we're talking AEW WWE style, what music comes on? Like, what's his? What's his? And what, what's the pop that makes the crowd go crazy? What's the? What's the song that we're hearing? It's gotta be D Generation X, man. Ooh, okay. That's I like that choice. Not the one I was thinking of. I was for me. I think my favorite one, as far as like just setting the crowd off got to be the stone cold glass breaking yeah i like it yeah. the only reason i've gone with d generation x is, DX is a great one on. though too yeah because he's coming on as the x factor dude yeah you know what i mean but the stone cold one is true man because everyone's going to be stunned i like it yeah i like i like the universe we're sliding into here <laughs> i could embrace this anyway before we go too far into that I just want to get a little bit of a, an update for everybody and then we're going to go into an ad break and then when we come back we'll continue so I was going to do this at the start of the episode, but I didn't want you to all tune out. So I've waited to be halfway through the episode. Now you're hooked. You know, we're talking some good stuff. You're enjoying life. We're enjoying life. You're probably only halfway to work at this point, or you're only halfway through your workout, or you're only halfway through your DoorDash or whatever it may be. So you, you've invested at this point. So if you're enjoying the show, please share this on social media, whether that be Twitter, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, whether you're a web designer and you create your own social media, I don't care. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But if you do that, it really helps us. Honestly, like you might think that we're just saying it, but like it genuinely helps grow this show. Um, tag us if you want us to retweet it. We can get into some conversations with your followers. We can make it a whole community. Honestly, I want to be asking for this quite regularly because I think it's super valuable to to the growth of the podcast network, like the Celtics Blood Podcast Network, and to the growth of the Celtics Pod. And with that, we're going to duck out for a moment, let you listen to some wonderful advertisements by people that are advertising things. And we'll be back.
Did you like those advertisements? I didn't hear them, so you know I'm not going to know if they were good. They felt solid to me, man. I, I think that was, Did you I, hear I, think them? Was, I think that was a good round. I think I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm just I'm just feeling the vibes from it. I think they, I think they were pretty solid. Yeah, the future vibes, because the ads get added in after. <laughs> so the future, we're pulling on the future vibes. And while we're talking about future vibes, let's talk about a guy that could be a future vibe in Mr. Aaron Neesmith, man. Dude looks jacked. Yeah, he looks, he looks bigger. Yeah. He looks bigger. Noticeably. Yeah. I, I feel like I, th- I saw you and Greg have an exchange of who you guys thought thought he'd look like. I can't remember who, who you thought it was that he'd look like out there. Smart. It was smart. Okay. I yeah. got a little semi vibe, which, you know, you look yoked. Yes. Semi's a good guy to, to look like. <laughs> dude, man, I'm telling you, it's ma- it's mainly in the chest and shoulder region. The dude's been on the yeah. bench. He's been hitting. But that's so valuable to him because, obviously, a lot of his frees have been falling short this year. So the additional upper body strength is going to help. I know that most of your shooting strength come from your legs, but still extra strength is extra strength but he's also showing that he can get to the rim whenever he wants dude if you notice that like in the last two games whenever he wanted to get to the rim he got to the rim no one was stopping that dude yeah and i mean i think the part that that's a little bit interesting is it feels like you know him getting to the rim is helping to amplify his confidence which you then see when he act when he's when he shoots the ball and he's had decent shooting numbers the last couple of games. And so, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm a little torn with Aaron Neesmith right now because I had kind of written him off as like, hey, this is just a next year thing. And I still feel like that's this is that's really the year where, you know, in the offseason and going into next year that I want to see what Aaron Neesmith is. But it, it does leave me more open to wondering if there is some form of contribution that he can have with this team down the stretch and into the playoffs. If Javante Green can be a starting power forward on the Chicago Bulls, Aaron Neesmith can be an eighth man on the Celtics rotation. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. No, no, I feel you. I feel you. But also, we're better than the Bulls. So, you know, like I, like I, <laughs> at the same That's time, that I just think, you know, Rob, crap, but I got it. you. I feel like I feel like Neesmith was the one that was one spot outside of the rotation, right? So mm-hmm. if Emil was running an eight man, Neesmith was the ninth guy. Yep. If he was running a nine man, Neesmith was the tenth guy. With Rob out, Neesmith slows up one, and I think that you could get something like that. He was the best. Uh, Emil said it himself. Like Neesmith was the best defender on Siaka. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Physical, really gritty. He's he's done really good jobs jumping passing lanes, uh, getting some steals. Okay, he fouls a lot, but you know, I'm okay with that. You know, if you want to foul, foul. Make it make it tough. Make sure they feel you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that we, he needs to be getting like large minutes or anything, but I think you know, there's six games left. Three of them against contending teams, contending Eastern. So if he doesn't play in those three. Fine. I'm cool with that. You know, these are big games. Seeding still up for grabs. But there's three, ga- three games against lesser opposi- opposition, you know, mm-hmm. lower quality opposition. I want to see what Neesmith can do against them because I think there's going to be a time in the playoffs where you might need him. So to know what's yeah. under the hood is going to be important. Yeah, I mean, I think all of the the development with Neesmith that you're talking about with him, you know, on the defensive side, which really is just his energy. I love his energy. His energy is something that I think is an interesting wrinkle because I don't, at this point, I don't think there's any evidence to support at this at this time that Ime plans to seriously play play Neesmith without yeah. their, w- without it being kind of like, you know how it always happens in the playoffs where you get to, you know, you get to game three, game four, whatever it might be. And it's like, Hey, this isn't working for some reason. We need, we need an influx of, of energy. 
You know what I mean? And so maybe there's there's a spot for Neesmith for that. But the part that I'm curious of him for this year is I wonder is if he does get, you know, because as you said, with Rob out, you got to kind of slot everybody up a little bit. You know, does he get in those five to 10 minutes? Can he make a contribution in those five to 10 minutes the way he impacted in 39 minutes last night? Or is he a guy that just needs to be out there to have his impact felt? Can he make that strong impact? Can he knock down a couple shots? in a small window because that's been the thing that we haven't really seen for him. And that's why I think he has been reluctant to play. him. That was always the question with Terry Rozier as well, though. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Rozier, he got the minutes when Kyrie went down during that playoff run. And that's when he was valuable. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he didn't get the minutes the following year. And then he goes over to Charlotte and his, his last two years have been exceptionally what good. Yeah. There are guys out there that need to be playing consistent, large minutes to be, at their best in terms mm-hmm. of effectiveness. There are other guys that are just more plugged in and they're, they're better off on 10 to 15 yeah. minutes. But Hauser, I think, is actually a better option to plug in for 10 minutes than what Neesmith is. I genuinely believe that. I no, think I, tend, I tend to agree. Like, I, I mean, from what I've seen, and that's that's the, that's my struggle with Aaron Neesmith about him having an impact in the playoffs, is that I just I, I don't know that he can do it in the small amount of yeah. window of opportunity he's going to get, whereas Hauser... I mean, it feels like you could you could just throw that guy. He could be sitting on the couch. You throw him a basketball and say, "Go ahead and make you know ten shots in a row," and he would just sit up and, and drain ten shots in a row. Well, this is that guy just right, shoots in his sleep. I think that with Neesmith, you need to plug him into minimum twenty minutes exactly. to get to get his best. You need to be plugging him in eighteen and above, really, mm-hmm. as you say. I think Houses draining threes, one handed eating pizza with a tall like playing Edward forty hands, and he's still draining threes. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't even know what Edward Forty Hands was. I was going to say, did, did you play Edward? Do you guys have Edward Forty Hands across the We park? don't have 40s. Oh, okay. Do you guys have the ones that are like that? 32 ounces instead of 40 ounces? Or uh, Let me find that. Uh, I know in different parts. Yeah, it's, it's not quite the, the 40 ounces that you can find over here. Nah, so like, uh, I think the biggest bottle we can buy is uh, we probably get like 1.5 so like a 24 ounce bottle is probably yeah the yeah edward 24 hands doesn't have the same same nah, to but it. to be fair like i've had 40s and they're uh they're not the highest quality of beer no they're trash that's yeah. that's the whole point of the game you want to drink no them and get them off your hands this, no one told me this so i'm in the store and uh I'm like, yo, I want a 40. I've said to the guy at the, te- at, like, the, the checkout, I'm like, Wait, you're in America for this, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, listen, dude, all my life, I've swore to myself, I'm going to get a 40. I'm going to drive to South Central LA and I'm going to drink a 40 in South Central. It's always been something that I'm going to work on. Where do I buy the 40s? And he's like, here. I'm like, all right, what are the best ones? And he's like, none of them are good. I'm like, well, just <laughs> yeah. Give, just, just give Pick your the poison. Best. They're all poison. Yeah, give, give me the best of the worst and give me two of them. And uh, my buddy drove me down to South Central. We just parked something like a car park lot. I, mean, I, I drank a 40 in South Central. But I was like, man, this is not nice stuff, man. I had o- the, uh, Always the brand you got to go, but you got to get that malt liquor. If you're going to do the 40, you might as well just go and get it to get some malt liquor. See, I ended up having High Life. Ah, yeah. See, High Life, you can get that in, you know, regular size. But it was like you gotta... drinking alcoholic lemonade. Like yeah, it's gross. Carbonated. It wasn't <laughs> good, dude. And I'm like, yeah, I got two of these. I got one for now and one for at home. Mm-hmm. I gotta get through them. I'm like, this is a lo- <laughs> this is a large volume of a uh, of beer, dude. Uh, I ended up just buying some good beer afterwards, like just to kind of make. That's it a smart choice. Had to, 
<laughs> Where were we? You got to cleanse the palate. I have no oh, idea. Sam Hauser hitting free. Yeah, Sam Hauser. There we hands. go. With with yeah. his Edward Forty hands. There we go. Yeah, yeah. But that's how confident I am in that shot, right? Like I'm. I'm Nick Stauskas is another guy. I'm like you could probably plug him for five to ten minutes, but for some reason, I just think Hauser's shot's more true. If that yeah. makes sense, I think it, no, I just I, I don't know. There's something about the arc on it. I don't know. Maybe we should ask him. I'll, I'll, we'll try and get him back on at the end of the season and see how his year went. But no, I'm definitely there. I think you need to plug Neesmith in 18 or more minutes to really get a good value from him. You're not getting that this year. Luke Cornett, I know we've just said we don't think he's getting playoff minutes, but we did see him play against Toronto. I think as an on-ball defender, he struggles a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, as a drop defender guarding the pick and roll, he's viable. You know, he's a good drop defender guarding pick and roll, can guard the rim. Brad Stevens said as much last year. But if he's playing minutes in the playoffs, you're waving the white flag. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Ime's given us the game plan for the last two yeah. months. He He's going with what was, you know, an eight-man rotation with a little side of maybe Tice or Neesmith, depending on the, you know, the the moment. Yeah. And now without Rob, it's an eight-man rotation. We know what it's going to be. I think you're going to have your starting five. You're going to have Smart. You're going to have the Jays. Most likely, I think Grant Williams will be the, the starter, and then it will be Al Horford. I think that's likely. And then you'll have Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, and Daniel Tice coming off the bench. And I honestly do not expect to see much from anyone, including, you know, Aaron Neesmith or Sam Hauser, except for maybe a little bit here and there. And that's just because within the length of a series, you may need to make an adjustment. It might just be might just be getting a guy some rest. It might just be you need that bolt of energy where it's, hey, Neesmith, it's game three. We don't have the energy. You know, either we're on the road or we're at home. The crowd's dead. Go be a Tasmanian devil. I don't care if you yeah. foul out in, in five crash. minutes. Yeah, like, I don't care if you're going to foul out in five minutes. You, this is all you're playing. So just go, you know, balls to the wall and we'll figure it out later. Maybe there's that opportunity or maybe, you know, with Sam Hauser, I think if you have to put somebody in because you're like, hey, we need a, bolt of, a, a boost of shooting, it's going to be Hauser over Neesmith at this point for, hey, it's five minutes. Let's see what happens. And yeah, I don't think that, I don't think either of those scenarios are very likely to happen too often in the no, and like you know, you're saying to you're saying to Neesmith, like, dude, just go crash. Yeah, just crash, crash into everything, crash into everyone. See that yeah. referee there, crash into him too. Everybody, take no prisoners, dude. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to touch on, and then we'll kind of let everybody get out of here on this Wednesday. You got Peyton Pritchard. I think that one of the things I really enjoyed seeing was how Toronto to begin the game were COVID kind of overreacting to Pritchard's touches. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they were like. Oh, Pritchard's got the ball. We need for a double at him. We need to start pinching on him. We need to start pressuring him. That to me is another sign of somebody's growth, or at least his reputation growing around yep. the league. Like, yo, this Gravity. dude's a bucket. Yeah, dude's a bucket. And then Derek White had a really nice game. And I've left Marcus Smart to the very last because I thought he was exceptional in like a lead guard role rather mm-hmm. than just a point guard. He was a lead guard, and I thought he'd done exceptionally well too. Yeah, I mean, first, I'm going to hit all three of those guys here real quick. But, you know, first, yeah, on Peyton so. Pritchard, you know, number one, to your point, like, true gravity. It's something that that we've been dying for with this team. Peyton Pritchard getting the run that he has been in the way that he's been playing, he has that right now. And so that's a super encouraging sign for him and for this offense going forward. And, you know, he's, he's pretty stabilized in there that he's going to be a guy getting 15 to 20 minutes a night, somewhere in that range when we're fully healthy. So I love seeing that, you know, going forward here. Um, the other side that I'm I'm really looking at is, you know, for someone like like Derek White. Derek White played a played a solid game. You know, I know from the field only four of sixteen, but it's the little things that he does. And 
got into the lane, just left that that last that last layup, that last floater at the rim, just a little bit short. Uh, and then the last guy that you touched on, Marcus Smart. You know, Marcus, hey, he's been holding back those shots all season. Green light, Marcus. You know, let him have it. Last night, I thought he played you know really well. Really gave this team a chance to win. 28 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Uh, yeah, it was I thought Marcus Smart played great, especially when, you know, he had, this is one of those nights where it's okay for Marcus to say, hey, I got to put this team on my back. And, you know, gave him a chance to win at the end. So, uh, you know, big applause to Marcus and all of that team for fighting and really showing that type of grit that I think, that I think you know, shows the growth of this team from where they would crumple at the littlest sign of adversity early in the season to them nearly pulling out a win against one of the hottest teams in the Eastern Conference on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. Okay, you've just said something here, and it made me stop listening and start imagining a video breakdown that I need you to hear, okay? So you said Marcus has been playing with the red light, he's got the green light, he's scoring, yeah? We need to start calling him Squid Game Marcus, and what we need is somebody to do a video of red light, and then it's all Marcus Smart setting guys up with passes, and then green light, and it's Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, (laughs) Marcus Smart getting to the room, jacking up freeze and it needs to be squid game marcus from now on that's the only thing i'm knowing him as squid game marcus i'm in squid game marcus it is moving in my head this video is amazing but i don't have the video editing skills to make it so if anybody listening wants to spend 40 (laughs) minutes to an hour putting together this squid game marcus video i am completely 100 in and then we should tag him and ask him if he likes his new nickname there we go maybe we can get on a bathrobe that's the that's the episode of this podcast. That's the podcast name now. Squid Game Marcus. Let's make it a thing. The title of the studio is "I Miss Rob Williams," and we do. We miss Rob. We miss Rob. We miss Lob. We miss it all. We're gonna have to bring Cody back because Cody's the king of basketball poetry, and um, <laughs> he does some really funny poems. So I'm gonna try and bring him back on, or at least get him to record us a poem of why we miss Rob. Maybe maybe we can get a Rob Williams haiku. Yeah, dude, haikus are tough though. <laughs> too much, too much. We've asked a, a good haikus. Uh, haikus aren't tough. A good haiku is tough. Yeah, you know, I'd sooner go for a kamehameha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're getting we're getting deep down that poetry hole now. A kamehameha is a Dragon Ball Z blast of energy. Okay, I didn't know, so I just made I it just up. Went deep it mode, dude. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know, and I tried to wing it, and I failed. I exposed myself. <laughs> I was like, this is not a conversation that I, I want to get into. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comment so that we can pivot off of this. Make a oh, comment without saying anything and try to get the hell out. I'm dying. Oh god. Uh everybody, we're gonna leave it there because yeah, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can continue to talk. Adam, wrap this up. Let's get out of here. That was um that was some great self-awareness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't know. Tried to pivot, yep. failed. Nope. Everybody, if you've enjoyed this show, make sure to share on social media. As usual, we will be back on Friday. Friday? Do we do it? Yeah, we'll be back Friday. Friday. Yeah, we'll do we'll do something. We'll do something on Friday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, yeah. we are. It's because me and you recorded on Sundays. And I know we threw it off. It, Greg was away for the wedding, so it's it's a little bit thrown off. We've been seeing a lot yeah, of each other, Adam. I mean, I enjoy your company, man. We're all good. Right back yeah. at you, my guy. Yeah, man. You know, we're boys. It's what we do. It's what we do. <laughs> Everybody, enjoy your day. Enjoy Thursday. We'll be back on Friday. There's going to be a game between now and then. Whatever happens, happens. The team are adjusting. We're adjusting. It's kind of like that breakup where, you know, you you knew it was coming. You've already moved on, but you haven't really moved on. Do you know what I mean? Just go back and watch like a teenage drama that you used to watch. I don't know. Watch some Dawson's Creek. 
and that's going to be what we're going through right now. We're going through the Dawson Creek phase. 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 I don't know where my words are going. It's getting late. We gotta Peace get out, out everybody. Deuces. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with